Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Brian Carroll, and I'm here to help people move more, eat well, and be adventurous. And as I've mentioned in my last podcast, the beginning of every year, I take about two months off from podcasting to focus on our clients and programs that begin around the new year. But now I am back and ready to get this show on the road. Today, I have Dr. Shaheen Gadir on the show to talk about fertility treatments utilizing IVF. As more and more of the population experiences fertility issues, we need to be aware of other options to increase the chance of a successful pregnancy. We've had a few episodes in the past that have talked about lifestyle factors that can influence your fertility chances, but we haven't done an episode strictly on what options you have once you try all the other methods. Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to share a quick review that was left for the show. It was left by Pig Out Clean, and they said, Great podcast that covers it all. Always a great takeaway fact or tip, even on subjects I think I've heard it all on. Thank you, Pig Out Clean love the name by the way, for that review. The ratings and reviews help to get the show in front of more people. And if I read your review on the show, then reach out to me at summitforwellness.com and I will send you a free shirt or product from our store. And if you want to leave a review, then head over to summitforwellness.com slash rate, R-A-T-E, to learn how to leave reviews within your podcast app of choice. All right, let's dive into my conversation with Dr. Shaheen Gadir. As a founding partner of Southern California Reproductive Center, Dr. Gadir is a board certified in both obstetrics and gynecology and reproductive endocrinology and infertility. He is currently an assistant clinical professor in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA and at the Keck School of Medicine at USC. Thank you, Dr. Gadir, for coming onto the show. Thank you, Brian, for having me. Of course, and I'm really excited to chat with you about fertility because there's obviously a, a huge need around fertility right now, and a lot of people are struggling with being able to uh, conceive. But before we get into the conversation, tell us a little bit more about your background, who you are, and what got you so interested in fertility in the first place. So thank you so much, Brian. Um, you know, my background was originally training in obstetrics and gynecology. Uh, and there was an opportunity that I had working during my residency program with a couple infertility specialists that really opened my eyes to a world of medicine that was growing at the speed of light, advancing technologically every single day, and being able to really change people's lives and have a major impact in medicine. And that was one of the main reasons um, that I changed my mind from delivering babies to try to make the babies. And I also looked at myself and realized that God's given me a gift of communication and also being an empathetic person and caring and wanting the best for people that it really, I felt like made me a great fit for trying to be a fertility specialist and bring hope and uh, a lot of beautiful, happy moments to people. And you had mentioned that you saw this field growing uh, at the speed of light is what you said, which you know, when a field is growing that much, that obviously means there's a need for it. So what? why do you think so many people are having such issues conceiving naturally? So it's very evident from my practice that all of the women that are coming to me 
um, are that are having difficulties are usually not always, but usually older. Um, and when I say older in the fertility world, that's probably someone over the age of 35. Now we do have people in their 20s that have challenges and in their early 30s, but generally speaking, our parents, our mothers were having us when they were in their 20s or early 30s. Now it is very, very normal for women just like men to be working on their careers and growing their professional lives and putting child rearing on the back burner until they're more established, which means in their mid to later 30s. And for that reason, it's the number one cause of the reasons we see that people are struggling to conceive. But also, I believe that environmental changes over the years have also affected women's capabilities of conceiving. With all of that being said, I don't want to for one second ignore men because studies have shown that after 40, sperm quality goes down, the risk of abnormal pregnancies goes up, and also chromosomal abnormalities goes up as well. And there's some very loose links, not really connected perfectly, but there are some loose links that even autism is related to older sperm. Oh, interesting. So in typically in most cases, uh, women usually um, are with a partner that's older. So you're talking, you know, if a woman is 35 and older then the partner she is with, is probably already over 40 or pretty close to that age. So is there specific ways um, that people can naturally work on their environment and other health factors to improve their chances of conception? No, I think that overall trying to be as healthy as possible and living a healthy, clean life is going to give you the best opportunity of not hurting yourself when it comes to environment. Um, and what I mean by that is just being healthy uh, and doing all of the right things that you can. Antioxidant-rich diets, diets that have healthy fats like the Mediterranean diet, like olive oil and things like that, eating healthy, um, eating well-balanced not abusing your body with drugs and alcohol and smoking. Those things all have permanent damage um, and we don't really want that. Yep, that all makes sense. Um, are there other environmental factors that you've noticed play, play a huge role in um, fertility as well? Um, I do think that for men, excessive heat, steam rooms, saunas, jacuzzis, anything that takes testicular temperatures up, the use of marijuana for men and women, all of these things are in the environment and around us everywhere that are negatively affecting fertility. Interesting. Yeah, so the, the temperature, that's a that's a really interesting one because the um, testicles, their their job is to regulate temperature, right? So the, the way that they're hanging away from the body or as they uh, contract back towards the body, that's all regulation of temperature? It's... Basically, the anatomy is made to keep the testicular temperature about a, temper a degree or two lower than the body. So when you're doing things like sitting in a hot tub for a really long time, it takes that temperature up, defeating the purpose and affects the sperm quality. Now, men are lucky because they're going to continue to make new sperm that's going to come about 72 to 90 days later. But for women, this damage that occurs in any way to the eggs is irreversible because women don't make new eggs. Hmm. Um, are men's sperm quality going down or the sperm There have count? been some studies that have shown that men's sperm quality and sperm numbers over the years have also gone down. And uh, how much, like what percentage has it gone down? I'm not sure if I know the exact number. Okay. 
And um, so uh, one of the the ways that you help with uh, fertility is you use IVF. So can you talk about what is IVF and how is it typically performed? Absolutely. So for people that aren't very familiar with the word IVF, IVF stands for in vitro fertilization. The word in vitro means outside of the body fertilization. So we take the egg from the woman. We usually give them medications that help them promote and grow a bunch of eggs. So we can take 5, 10, 20, 30 eggs out of the woman. And then in the laboratory, which is called the embryology lab, we go ahead and take the sperm, look under the microscope, find the best sperm. We even have the capability of injecting the sperm into the egg, which is called intracytoplasmic sperm injection or ICSI, to get the best opportunity for fertilization. And then for a week, we watch these embryos grow. And all the embryos that grow beautifully for a week to the stage called a blastocyst, which is a full-grown embryo, at that point is eligible to get a tiny biopsy being frozen, and then we can get the genetic testing results telling us if that embryo is healthy about a week to two weeks later. So are people able to determine ahead of time if they have or they may be more susceptible to fertility issues and they may need IVF. So for instance, if someone is in their 20s and is there any type of markers that can let them know that maybe they should freeze eggs or something at that point that they can use in the future? So there are not any clear markers that says people have poor fertility, but if they have irregular cycles, significantly painful cycles, these are all hints to us that other things may be going on. And if other things may be going on, it potentially can affect the quality and also those egg overall well-being and something to think about earlier. Okay. And um, if you do plan on having kids later in life and that's already pre-planned in your um you know, your schedule of how you want to do things, is it better for people to try to freeze eggs or even freeze sperm um, years in advance to prepare for that? The sooner, if you ever, ever even have the slightest inkling that you may be making, getting pregnant later or not wanting to do it now, or you know you're not going to meet someone now, then I would highly recommend freezing eggs, sperm, or even the joining of the egg and the sperm as an embryo for couples that aren't ready, but they may want to have a child later. So we freeze eggs, sperm, and embryos for lots of people. Wow. I didn't know that you could combine the two and freeze that as well. That's pretty interesting. That is actually the path that does the best. Wow. Interesting. Um, so at what temperatures do you have to freeze that? Like, how do you make it stable for that long? You know what? I'm, <laughs> it's a process called vitrification, where you make the egg and the sperm or the embryo into what's called a glass-like stage, and it goes like this into that glass-like stage, which is like freezing. Um, I don't know exactly what the temperature is uh, because it's different in different laboratories and different techniques, um, but that's something that my IVF lab does really well. Super interesting. So when you are doing IVF and you're starting the embryo outside of the human body, is the embryo missing any developmental stages before it's put back into the woman? No, because it has to be put, it can't grow for more than five to six days outside the embryo. Um, So when we put the embryo back, the lining of the uterus is prepared five or six days along, and it has to find the uterus very quickly and get implantation going very quickly too. And what's that process like trying to put it back in? Uh, Does the body reject it? Is there ways to make it take it? Our success rates in the office um, range between 76 and 84% going to 
pregnancy with every embryo that's transferred. So it's rather high and people do rather well. Okay. Awesome. What's the oldest uh, candidate that you've had? Well, the American Society of Reproductive Medicine says that generally speaking, women over the age of 55 should not be carrying pregnancies. So we did have a 54-year-old, as much as we discouraged her, because I don't believe it's a great idea. Um, she was in excellent health. Her general doctor, her OBGYN, her cardiologist, everyone said she's in excellent health, and she got pregnant and went all the way her, to her due date. So that's the maximum. But in most situations um, of our patients that are over the age of 44, many, many people use surrogates. Mm. Yep, that makes sense. Um, so what are some other factors that can help um, with the chances of pregnancy at later stages? So you mentioned having good health, IVF. Are there anything else that can help um, for someone to be able to be successful with IVF? Unfortunately, no. So if you don't freeze your eggs or your sperm or make embryos earlier on and have them there sitting for the future, and if you don't treat your body well and keep it as healthy as possible, no matter what you do, your egg reserve is going to go down and the opportunities of being pregnant later are going to be gone. And have you noticed any issues with um, hormones from birth control or anything like that that can have longer lasting? Um, there are. There are some studies that have shown that if you've been on birth control for a very, very long time, it may suppress your ovary and the ovary doesn't come back to life as quickly as if you were off of it. So we recommend sometimes to people to get off of their long-term birth control for a month to three months before starting the procedure, and then they should be back to normal. Okay. So it's pretty quick afterwards. Yes. Perfect. And um, what other things would you want us to know about IVF and fertility and how to have successful pregnancies? I think it's really, really important for us to know that when someone is getting ready or having difficulties conceiving, discussing with a fertility specialist or a doctor earlier than later when there's more options, I think you're opening doors for yourself rather than close, closing them by waiting long periods of time. That opening of doors gives you the opportunity to see how um, fertile you are to open the doors of freezing them and preserving things for your future. I think the waiting game is the worst thing that you can do. And I have people that call me and come to me and they've been trying for 10 years. And I just, the first thing I want to ask is like, why didn't you come sooner? We have so many financing options if it's financial reasons and learning more and not have, you don't even sometimes even have to do the treatment, but just learning more about your body is also incredibly important. Hmm. And do you recommend for like men to go and get their sperm quality checked at younger I do. ages? I think men are as equally involved in this process. And it is a million times easier for a man to give a sperm sample and make sure that it looks good and even consider freezing it for the future uh, than for women doing all of that. And with all of that being said, we've had sperm that was 31 and a half years frozen in the office that's probably the world's record for the longest frozen sperm that led to a healthy baby. Um, so I think freezing your sperm and keeping it healthier at a younger age is also very smart for men. Hmm. And um, when you are doing a sample of sperm, is that just a snapshot of their health in that moment in time? Or does it give you a pretty good indication from just one sample? It is actually a snapshot of what it is right then and there. But generally speaking, people's sperm quality does not go to really good and really bad every other day. It's an overall situation that you could be in. So doing that is 
that one snapshot kind of gives us a recommendation on what it looks like overall for people okay. over time. Perfect. But it what, can be improved. So that's a good thing for men. Right. Perfect. Well, my final question for you is, uh, what is your vision of what healthy looks like? And what are three things that you do daily to uh, reach that vision? So I think healthy means a lot of different things for people. Um, one thing that I, I love to do at the end of the day is to try to clear my mind because I find my mind, which I can't see and I can't touch, but is really controlling my every single step of the day. If I don't relax that and take control over it, it leads to the ending of the day, not in a positive way and into the night as well. So that's one thing. The second thing is I really believe that doing some kind of exercise really is beneficial. I wish that I could do exercise more often because I realize the days that I do exercise, I just feel so much better about myself, about what I want to put into my body and about how I feel. So I think that's really important. And then I also think that being a good person and a nice person and in this world where so many horrible things have happened in this last year, just going out of your way to do things the right way and to be just a slightly better person in this world goes a long way. So those are three things that I really believe in. Perfect. Well, thank you, Dr. Gadir, so much. Where can people find more about you and uh, learn more about what you do? Thank you so much for having me, Brian. I wanted to let everyone know that my Instagram page is called Dr. Shaheen Gadir. It's D-R-S-H-A-H-I-N-G-H-A-D-I-R. It's a verified page on Instagram and Facebook, so you can follow me there. And also our YouTube channel that has a lot of programming on it, similar to what we're doing now and talking about lots of different topics is called Fertility Talk by Dr. Shaheen Gadir, and that's on YouTube. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I know a lot of people um, that are trying to conceive and are having struggles with it will definitely benefit from this information. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. Take care. The process of IVF is really fascinating to me, and I personally know some people that have had great success with IVF. To learn more about Dr. Gadir, go to the show notes at summitforwellness.com slash 141. Next week, I have Dr. Yael Jaffe on the show. Let's go learn who she is and what we will be talking about. I am here with Dr. Yael Jaffe. Hey, Dr. Yael, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? Cold water ocean swimming, my absolute and total addiction. What is the coldest place that you've swam in? Seattle. <laughs> Seattle in winter. It was really cold. No wetsuit, right? No wetsuit. Oh, wow. You're going hardcore. I'm hardcore. Yeah. And then uh, what will we be learning about in our interview together? We want to understand um, how genes, our genes, give us self-knowledge and teach us about how we respond to the world around us and also how we can use our daily choices around food, nutrition, nutraceuticals to get our genes to behave in the best way possible. And what are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? I'm guessing macaroni cheese is not the right answer, right? Okay. Mm, probably not. <laughs> Broccoli and cauliflower. Broccoli, cauliflower, and cabbage, the cruciferous vegetables are just extraordinary. They switch on so many wonderful genes that protect our body. So we'll talk a whole lot more about why I really, really love those vegetables. You know, what are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? 
Find an exercise or a movement that you truly love that brings you more than just calorie expenditure, that gets you into a place where you feel really happy. Find foods that you love and want to eat, otherwise you will never sustain your choices. And do not fall prey to social media on what the latest trends are, on what you think you should be eating, what the latest diet plan is, or what the latest exercise craze is. You've got to find your own North Star. Genes are a fascinating thing, and we are learning more and more about how our genes play a role in how well we utilize nutrients. So until next week, keep climbing to the peak of your health.